Welcome back to the Savage Actual Podcast. Before we continue with part two of our story with Luke Hamilton, we want to thank our sponsor for this episode. Today's episode is sponsored by GPM Kit. GPM Kit makes the combat applications belt. It's the first belt designed and patented by special operations personnel. Designed to be the lightest, strongest belt on the market. The combat applications belt is a unique buckle-free belt made as tough as the people who wear it. Go to gpmkit.com for more information on their incredible belt line. GPM kit quality is our strength. The following show is being broadcasted from an undisclosed location. Two former special operators have combined their badassery and now sharing it with the world. They ain't alive no more. All with a beer and a smile. This is the Savage Actual Podcast. And now your hosts, combat vets with 20 plus deployments between the two of them and enough testosterone to operate the power grid of Los Angeles. Savage Actual. Now your hosts, Jason and Patrick. So uh, you graduate Mount Sniper, dude. You've got well, not really. I didn't. I didn't graduate, but I finished it. You graduated. You completed. You completed it. Completed it. So you you go back to the stumps, and and how much longer after that before you guys went to Afghanistan? It was pretty, pretty recent. I think. I don't remember how long exactly we deployed. I don't know. A few months after, probably. That's a quick turnaround. That's a quick turnaround for a unit. I mean, if like you said, you were in a couple schools and and whatnot, and you and I'm yeah, I think it was eight months back. back. Wow, that's yeah, a quick I think it was eight months back, and I and we we uh yeah, it was eight months back, and then we deployed like a couple months after that. Um, in in two thousand nine, yeah. Damn. So where where did you guys touch down in Afghanistan? What like RC South or where were you guys at? We first touched down in Leatherneck. Yeah, uh, that was my first experience in a. Uh, I think it was a C seventeen combat landing. Yep. That was pretty fun. You know, made everybody shit themselves before we get there. So let's back it up two seconds, brother. Yeah, you've done Iraq. You're a little salty. You're probably a corporal at this point. Lance, Lance Corporal. Lance Corporal. Yep. But you know, you you've you've had some stuff under your belt. You know, you you've gotten to that season point. What are your thoughts going into Afghanistan comparatively from to Iraq at this point? Just from the unit there that was before us, we knew it was going to be shitty. And the mindset, the mindset, I didn't really, uh, going there, I wasn't really expecting much. But it was definitely, I definitely, I definitely felt like uh, we were going to get, uh, it was going to be different than their Iraq deployment. I was, it was just from the stories coming out. I had right. got friends and other units that were there telling me stories. Um, and yeah, we were going to, we were going to Hellman. So we knew. Uh, uh, do, you, do you remember which unit you guys ripped with? It was a Hawaii unit. I don't remember exactly which, but it was a Hawaii unit. <clears throat> we went from Leatherneck to a place called Golistan. Okay. Yep. It's up in the mountains, pretty desolate, isolated, uh, only could get, well, by vehicle, it was like three and a half hours. Uh, you had to drive up this massive wadi we flew in, but uh, 
we ripped with the first, uh, yeah, the Hawaii Marines there. And our first mission is what, uh, set the, set the tempo for the, uh, the rest of the deployment, honestly. Uh, so, so the listeners out there, um, I'm going to inject something real quick to paint this picture. Helmand province out of all the provinces. So uh, Afghanistan is broken up much like America. The provinces are states. So these states, provinces, you know, they have their main city in each one of these. And out of all of, all of Afghanistan was bad, but it had its, 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 it's apex fucking, you know, the worst ones. And, and Helmand for sure took the cake on that. And the reason for that is 70% of the world's heroin comes from the poppy fields in Helmand, Afghanistan. So most of the fucking shit that was made for heroin was made in this one. That's where the Taliban got their financing for their weapons for you know, for all of it. So that's, that's, that's where the fighting was at. So where were you from Fob Rob? Do you know? Fob where? Rob Robinson. Did you go through there? You probably never went to Fob Robinson. Okay. I I was just wondering. So you're, you're inbound, you land, you're headed to fucking the Gulistan, man. So like, so what's up? (laughs) It was an epic place, honestly. Like I was always a kid that was outside enjoying, appreciated the outdoors, you know? And then landing in this fucking place, I was like, this is bigger than anything I've ever seen. And we're probably going to be have to go to the top of every fucking peak here. So, and a month before, during our uh, Mojave Viper, yeah. my back went out for the first time. Mm. And I had to leave Mojave Viper for a few days. And I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Um, but I was worried they weren't going to let me deploy, but I deployed it regardless. But our first movement and our RIP mission with the Marines that are there. So we uh, meet up with the unit that's there. There's like a week of time where we show up and the other unit's still there. Um, and we combine forces, communicate, you know, um, talk about, you know, what's our mission here type thing. And then we run a mission with them. Um, and our mission was to support the log train that was coming up uh, to deliver all of our supplies, right? And what's a log train for our viewers and listeners? Convoy, a, a convoy. So yeah. logistics, supply, replenishment from other Marines to bring it. Maybe those. cigarettes, maybe like the good smell. Mail. Mail. Beef okay. jerky, yeah. hopefully. These guys are so isolated. They relied heavily on these log trains of, of resupply so they could oh. continue their, their mission in that area of operation. Uh, continue brother and the log trains were constantly getting hit that was the most vulnerable thing out there because the log trains have to drive to get to where we were there was not a road it was a wadi they had to drive up which is basically a dry creek bed or i should say riverbed it was pretty significant so it's a bunch of rocks and boulders and shit that these huge armored trucks that are thousands of thousands of pounds trying to get up so they're creeping right so they have to creep the entire way so it takes them like they, it's a whole day trip to get there and they sleep there and then they whole day trip back. Right. That's so we set up where they've been hit before the movement, the, the first movement, my act, I was point man. Um, the, my back went out with like literally 45 minutes into that first movement. We were walking oh, up this hill to get to this ridgeline. And my, I was like, I was talking to my, I was the ATL on my team and I was talking to my team leader and I was like, bro, my, my back's doing that thing again. And I was kind of sitting on my, on my back or on my just rock flop. He was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, <clears throat> I was like, I don't know. Um, 
I don't know if y'all, I mean, I'm sure y'all have the low back stuff, but it's that, it's that pain. that's just like, it's fucking nauseating. It's, it's almost fucking, mm-hmm. it choke it takes your breath away type pain. Um, and I just sat there. I was like, let's just sit here for a second. Uh, we sat there for maybe 15 minutes and I was like, did a couple fucking stretches. Um, and we just continued on. I didn't even fucking think about it. It, it was better. It awesome. It just, I just started going. So the movement, the first movement was fucking an ass kicker. It was brutal. It took like six hours. It wasn't that long. It was only like six clicks, but that, that rock out there on those mountains is like broken plates. You know, it's like shale bullshit. But we set up at this, this back end of this village. This village is sitting on this wadi and it's a known spot for these. It's a known spot where the log trains would get hit. Um, so we go two days before the log train starts coming up, right? To observe. And we're on this ridge line. And in between us is the village and then it's the wadi and we're there two days before we don't see shit. That second day we see the log train start coming on and it's like slow motion. It's like watching fucking paint dries, waiting for these fuckers to get up the goddamn wadi. We're just sitting there like, come on. Well, that's the thing is like this for a lot of these people who are listening, you guys got to understand like the area of Afghanistan, that, that whole space is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old and they've got pack animals and they're moving through there on foot, you know, yeah. maybe old shitty, small, like fucking jingle trucks. And some of those old trucks, like okay. that area is not made for fucking huge, wide armored vehicles. And it's just, yeah, that's this, that, that, that area never had anything like that before, you know? So Jesus <laughs> yeah, it was a, uh, it was the, the their, their movement was pretty shitty. Yeah. But they get right in front of us and we're like, all right. And they were going to be the ass end of the log train was going to pick us up. We were going to come down and extract with them. About so you guys are thinking, you guys are thinking, ah, nothing's going on, you know, yep. quiet day. Sucks. And what's funny is the guys that were there had run this mission three times before. A little bit different, obviously, not exact same, but same, same area trying to find these guys. Uh, and didn't get shit. The log train gets like three vehicles past us, and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> and it's what we, th- it, I think it was RPGs, mortars, obviously belt fed. Uh, Taliban likes to hit really hard and fast at the beginning, um, so they throw everything at you. Well, they start hitting the log train, and obviously they don't know there's an eight man sniper team behind them, right? And we, we hiked up there two two Barretts, right? Nice, nice. And I was carrying one into the Barrett, so I got to use the Barrett. If you can, that was kind of the rule and opportunity. If you carried it, I mean, fuck yeah, you should carry it. You know, two guys had to carry. One guy carried the upper, one guy carried the lower, which was lighter and all the ammo. So it was kind of between those two guys that carried it up to the up to them. You know, here you go, you can use it. Here you go, you can use it type thing. Uh, yeah, I like it. All hell breaks loose, and it takes what feels like an eternity to find these fuckers that were shooting at them. Um, but Rob Morse was actually on this mission and he is the one who initially sees them. He goes, there they are. And just starts letting out fucking <laughs> Mark 11 shots. Just, just, he got the nickname match grade Morse after this mission. Uh, he went through like four fucking Mark 11 mags on these guys, <laughs> but uh, he sees them, starts calling them out. Everybody starts seeing them. I had one mag or yeah, I got to use one mag out of the Barrett. Um, there was another guy in another Barrett. Um, and I didn't have 
fucking ear pro. I didn't have ear pro on. And all this happened so fast. I just get behind the gun, not thinking. I'm just like, oh, fuck it. Fuck yeah. I've been waiting for this forever. It's literally like the perfect mission. Like, that's the mission you want to happen. I mean, you're behind guys that don't know you're behind them. They're engaging the target that's in front of them. We start engaging them. And the great thing is, is they think, I think that the log train is shooting at them. Yeah, because they're not hearing, like, same thing. They're fucking, like you said, mortars, RPGs, fucking belt fed. They're, they don't hear where the shit's coming from either. Those well, dudes- and the log train guys are just fucking machine gun, just letting all their belts go. So it's pretty chaotic. So if what, you're getting what, shot at, regardless of which direction, you're really not going to know. You're just going to think it's the guys you're shooting at. Yep. They what start- uh, what time? What time was this again? This is like yeah. sun. We probably had the sun was going down. The sun was probably like you know eight, you know two hands above the horizon. Yeah. So you you weren't using nods. Okay. Cool. No nods. So this is like you said. This is like a this is a fucking almost a dream situation it to is. be in. It Holy is. shit! It's the perfect mission. It, it worked. You know. Well, they start bounding back into, into you. Into, into you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we estimated estimated enemy size of force. Do you do you recall? Twelve to fifteen, probably. I okay. think there was. It was kind of unclear because we didn't stick around long. We took a couple wounded guys, but it changed. So, like the initial, I think the initial, I think it was initially five KIA's, and then by the time like a few months had gone by, they learned that there may be more than that, like maybe eight to ten KIA. Nice. What was it? What distance are you guys shooting at? Starting probably around a thousand yards, and then towards the end of it, when they were towards the the you know the the, the end of the engagement, they were probably within actual distance, like six to seven hundred yards. Wow. Nice. nice. Straight line distance. When you're shooting down, um, the distance you're shooting is kind of kind of different. Like the straight line distance is shorter, like ballistically wise. So it's really not that far shooting angles. Um, and we had every pretty much weapon system up there going. Um, and it was... Uh, we're using Rafis. We're using Rafis with the Barrett. Rafis. There, I, I have nice. a specific moment where a few guys grouped up in what looked like maybe like an alley or like uh, looked like they were in a couple of these walls. Like They thought they had cover. Um, and me and the other guy in the Barrett just... I just re- specifically remember just roughest rounds going off just all around these guys. It was just like, regardless if one of them lives, they're not going to be right. They had to be fucking shitting themselves, not knowing where the fuck this was coming from. So for our listeners out there that are unfamiliar, the Barrett weapon system he's talking about, I swear to God is five, six foot long. It's a fucking monster. It's a 50 cal sniper rifle the same round that our machine gunners use on the mod deuce the m2 so it's a big fucking round and the round specifically that i'm asking about it's called the rough is is has a tungsten penetrator it is an explosive shell that explodes upon impact and sends this tungsten penetrator into armored vehicles so there is a shrapnel there's an explosion uh, you visually see it as, as a marker, almost like a tracer at distance. So what he's saying is these dudes are hunkered down. They don't know where the fuck the fire is coming from. And he's taking accurate fucking Rafis rounds, not from one, but two guns, semi-automatically from two guns, danger fucking close. So these dudes 
definitely got it in the keister at a distance so yeah yeah those rounds exploding if you're by it's like a little mini grenade basically um especially if you're hitting rock or clay around them that shit's shrapnel that that's that's fucking your day up pretty bad so i'm assuming that this is all going on you got the log train i'm assuming tactically they just continued on Right. And you guys are continuing to fire at these guys or did they have some sort of issue where they had to freaking stop? Like they, they stopped, they stopped and waited the entire time and just engaged. Um, I, at one point, either the enemy saw us or they might have accidentally shot at us because you know how it works. I mean, those log train guys might know we're up there, might not. They see a plume of smoke coming. They'll probably shoot at it. We got we got engaged, but it wasn't very accurate. It was just kind of we heard the pops come over our head. And that was the first time I got shot at. So I was like, what the fuck? And my team leader was like, get the fuck down. Like, ripped me down. I was like, oh, okay, okay. So, so yeah, I remember the first time I got shot at, man. So, tell me, was it, was a, uh, in reflection, I know you've thought about this before. Like, how was that for you? Was there anything uh, monumentous about, about, about hearing that defined snap? I mean, was it like, holy fuck, my life is like, it, this, it, this is, it, this is real? Yeah, it was, it was the rifle pits, dude. That's, <laughs> working the pits prepared me to get shot at you know it, yeah well it let you know what it sounded like right yeah so yeah. when it, when i did hear it i was like okay yeah like i've heard that before yeah but i was told i was in, i was at the time when they started engaging us back whether i don't know who it was I, I i didn't see any of the enemy shooting at us but i was completely exposed like in in the knee and at the time i, I had my m4 out already but yeah we started we took a couple rounds but they had one guy uh, at the end of it that was uh, wounded, WIA. Uh, he had been shot by the a 50 cal. He had been shot by the Mark, uh, I mean, the uh, M40. And he had been shot by a M6, an M4. So he got hit by three uh, weapon systems. The, the 308 hit him in the hand, like took off some fingers. 556 went through like his bicep. And then the Rothis round, uh, went through like soft tissue hip area, didn't hit any bone. So it didn't detonate or anything, but just ripped. Like, I mean, it took off his butt cheek basically. Right. Uh, so did you guys, through. were you guys able to go down and, and, uh, yeah, we, uh, okay. After it all kind of died down, we were like, Hey, we're, fucking going down. we're getting the fuck out of here. Um, the log train medic and guys actually were already moving in on these guys as we kind of came down the other side of this hill and they were started, uh, giving aid to this dude. Um, but when we get back down to the seven tons to get in, we have to load this guy into the back of the seven ton with us and drive the rest of the way back up, which is another hour and a half, two hours. And uh, this, it was getting dark at this time. So this guy, he's young. He's probably like, you know, in his twenties, maybe low twenties, but just not in good shape um, at all. They did what they, I mean, you really can't do much at the time on the X. You're not, you don't want to stick around. You don't want to stick around and help this guy and then possibly get one of your guys killed. So we got out pretty quick. Um, the guy on the way up started praying. So we were like, oh, he's probably going to die. The entire, we were in a seven ton, an armadillo seven ton. It was, the entire floor was blood. So like, I for sure thought this fucking kid, he was a kid like us basically, was going to die. We were like, he's dead for sure. He's still breathing when we get back. We get back, they give him a fast one into the sternum, which is an eight needle fucking quickest way to hydrate you right into the bone marrow. Um, they do some operating. We had we had some combat surgeons at in Golistan. So they, they actually were able to save him. They had to amputate his leg at the hip. Um, 
He only had like two fingers on his right hand. Um, but they, about three or four months later, they put him back uh, into where that village is, to where he came from as an example of not to shoot at the Americans, basically. Nice. nice. I, man, I would almost give anything to talk to this guy now. You know, I, know. I, I wonder what his perception of the Americans were beforehand and then actually being saved by the same guys that caused it. What if there is any difference in mindset? Well, you never know. I mean, you guys know, like some of these guys are sort of pushed into this or they do it to yeah. support their families. And I mean, there's a multitude. It's not just like, oh, fucking hate Americans, jihad. Yeah. It's not always that. You I, know? So it I could be it could be anything. I guarantee you he fucking regrets what he did. Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. I, I, if I if I was to ambush somebody and get counter ambushed, I would regret the ambush as well. I'd be like, fuck, that was dumb. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't yeah. very And then it's not like, and that's the thing is, and I've seen this with like joint partners that I've deployed with. These guys get severely wounded. Like I, I had done a deployment with a Republic of Georgia soft guys and these dudes get fucked up and they go back to their country and they're just like, put in their house and there's no, there's no supportive care. They don't have like a VA program. They don't, and actually the, the United States government was trying to work through a system for these guys to do that because like dudes like have no legs, they go home and their family would put them in a fucking chair and they would spend the rest of their life there. You know, yep. there's no, it's not like you get back to the United States and you, you know, you lost a leg or a fucking arm or you took a severe shot somewhere and you go through rehabilitation and there's prosthetics and all that stuff. Like most countries, most non-Western countries don't have anything like that, you know? So Nothing. yeah, this no dude, yeah, I guarantee you that dude is probably still in that village fucking sitting on his ass and he'll, I mean, he'll never, yeah, his, that's his life. He's done. Yep. Yeah. Well, fucking karma, buddy. Yep. Exactly. So how was the rest of that deployment, dude? Pretty much the same, man. Almost, I mean, it was a lot of call for fire, a lot of IDs. We lost, uh, we lost a whole team within the first month. So we had five sniper teams uh, supporting our thousand battalion marine uh, force around this pretty massive AO. So uh, I think three weeks in. Uh, one of our teams was in uh, Hel or Nauzad, and they were doing urban stuff. Uh, even with engineers, uh, they had engineers. Um, engineer walked over through this doorway. Guy behind him, point man of our team, stepped on an ID. It was up like those plastic water bottles that don't pick up on the fucking the wand. Uh, it was like a plastic water bottles with two low metallic if they touch type thing. Um, stepped on it. Um, surprisingly, um, no case, but it ruined that entire team basically. Um, and we pretty much lost the entire team the first few weeks. So we were spread thin to start. So I was, I was never really at a place longer than like four or five months. So we were just living out of rucks, going to AO to AO to support whoever needed it type thing. But uh, yeah, Afghanistan was a uh, real deal. It was uh, it was kill or be killed. Honestly, it was uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of unfortunate things happened uh, to some good dudes. But uh, it is what it is. War is hell. Um, I think every dude that was over there 
knew the, the, the what was on the line. Um, and it, I mean, it could, I feel lucky, uh, but the rest of the deployment, uh, that set the tempo and uh, we did some good work. We did a lot of good things for the people there. Uh, but yeah, Nauzad, Helmand, or Nauzad, I, I don't know if you ever went to Bakwa. Bakwa is no. another place. Uh, I, know where, I know where Nauzad's at, but I don't yeah. know those smaller towns. I don't. Our Nauzad, uh, Bear Shark, you know what happened to Bear Shark? I think you heard that story. Bear Shark on, uh, in, in Bar Nauzad. Uh, it got ambushed. They overpenetrated, split up a six man team into two three man teams, and three guys, K. No, Italian. it was actually, I wasn't on that mission, but, uh, one of our teams was, it was the recon bear shark team inserted. And one of our cyber teams inserted kind of at opposite ends of this village that Marines were going to land in and clear through in, in the following days and bear shark split their six man team into two, three man teams. And one team kind of over penetrated down the side of this hill. So they kind of were positioned up top and moved down and kind of if shit happened didn't have anywhere to go type thing yeah. um shit happened and they rob morse was on the mission supporting um and he said he never heard so many rpgs go off in the in the short amount of time um and they just got overran jesus three k's on that mission and then the marines landed the next day and the guys that the guys that uh ambushed that team were got k that next morning by a hellfire so, yeah, and all that gear was lost too. Good, good. Yeah, they tried. They even thermited their shit, and the thermite didn't even melt through anything. It just like sat on top of, of uh, like they piled up the you know the uh, sensitive Radios, items, yeah. and they tried yeah. to fucking burn it. Didn't even fucking burn through the rifle or anything. What the That's fuck? Weird. Yeah, That's weird. It was really weird. We were like, what the fuck? Because it just made like a big white, ashy fucking over the radio weapon. I wonder, I wonder how old that was. Probably pretty old, I'd imagine. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah, I got some water into it or something. Huh. So, fuck, dude. He heavy deployment. You, you know, anything else memorable happened in that deployment? There is a thing I think about almost every day that pit that kind of it's irritating because it was like uh, there was a mission that was an ass kicker of an of a movement, and it was a movement. I don't know if y'all ever heard of Operation Cobra's Anger. Mm -hmm. That was the sweep through Nauzad. Uh, our whole battalion basically swept through Nauzad, but we got inserted on the far side. I mean, we we did like a week of planning for this mission, and I was heavily involved in it. But you have this big, you have Nauzad, you have a wadi that kind of goes through the middle of it. And, and ex explain, not to cut you off, brother, but uh, explain to our listeners uh, what a wadi is. Wadi is a dry creek bed, basically. It's a big riverbed. Uh, and it ran through kind of the center of Nauzad. It kind of split it in half. Um, and we had a fob on the west end of Nauzad. And then we had one kind of a little bit further away supporting through this pass the other way. Um, and that's where we were. It was probably like five clicks from the Nauzad fob. It was even a smaller little cop, like a little abandoned police station. But we planned this mission and we're like, well, why don't we set up, we set up on this finger that kind of extended out and overlooked Nauzad. And this finger had Nauzad on one side and then this draw that went up it. Um, and this draw had a finger that we were on and another ridge line that kind of 
you know, sat behind Nazad. Um, and we were like, well, if the, when the Marines come in and I start fucking detonating these fucking Miklicks, which are mind clearing the loudest explosion you ever fucking heard, it'll rattle <laughs> your fillings out basically. Um, they start letting these off. And, and when they start letting those off, we, we, in our minds, we're like, these guys are probably going to squirt out, um, either go through Nauzad or come up this fucking wadi, right? So let's set up in this wadi. We had two teams that were set up over this fucking little draw that we figured that these guys would squirt through. It was a two-night movement. So it was a movement where it was broken up, move all night, stop during the day, next night, move again. So it was like a pretty, it was a pretty ass kicker movement. I was walking point. Um, we got set up and I, as soon as I think we stayed a night and then the following day is when the Marines started pushing through and they started pushing through from the fob. So we were probably like, we were probably like 15, 20 clicks from, from the initial push. And that first night, uh, when the Marines, you know, hunkered down, we're, uh, we're observing this draw and we can see we're probably like a thousand to 1500 yards away from the outskirts of Nauzad. Sure enough, dude, uh, here we start seeing two man teams walking towards us. Probably what saw it first was the predator drone. They had predators over us. Um, and they were like, Hey guys, you got some company coming up and they threw the whole, the big IR fucking I saw that. And I was tractor like, beam, dude. Yeah. I think it's badass. Fair. This is not fucking fair, dude. And it takes like 30 minutes for these guys to get up to us. Played out perfectly, right? And we're all set up. Again, we have 50 cows. And by the time they get up to us and we're talking to command, and we're like, hey. Should we is, engage? We're engaging. This is obvious. We could see weapons. They had AKs. They had rucks. Two-man teams probably, you know, 15 meters dispersed between each one. And I think there was 15 to 18 of them. Wow. And there was probably, uh, and there was the same amount of us two teams up there. Um, we had them dead to rights. And at the time, my team leader's arguing with the fuck, and this is dead at night. This is 2 a.m. So, and it's rocky. There's no wind. So talking, you can hear. You can fucking hear. We started hearing them talking. That's how close they were. They, oh, were, they were 100 yards from us, at, like straight down. Like they were 100. I could throw, I could lob a grenade down and land it in between them. And my, my platoon leader, Sergeant McGrath, Bloodbath McGrath, if you will, was talking to the uh what is it the what what is the officer in charge of like the what or uh like the air officer guy oh yeah yeah the air uh, officer the fucking like top. A officer the, maybe or something the, the, the fact i think yeah the fact i think that's it i forget his name i would name i would drop his i would name bomb him because i i resent this dude now because my 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 team leaders arguing with this guy like hey this is why we did this He's not, he's not clearing you guys. He's not clearing you guys to fire. Correct. He's watching them on. The, he's like, we can't see PID. I was like, we're hearing these guys talking right now. We, they're they're within grenade range of us right now. Like, we could kill. Like, this is this is why exactly why we did this, right? And I had my finger on the trigger. I actually was going to shoot a two hundred three first, so I had my two hundred three just like it was direct point. It was I was basically pointing directly at him. Like, there's no lob in it. It was. They were right there. Your heart must have been fucked. Bro, I would. I'm. I don't know how I didn't pull the trigger, but from shaking, yeah, I didn't. And I, these guys, we're like, hey, they're getting. We're starting to lose sight of the first guys. Like, what the fuck? Can we engage? Can we engage? No, 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 no. We probably asked. I don't know, twenty times. So they're saying what? They're claiming that over the fucking pred feed that they can't see the weapons. They don't have PID, but we're like, we have PID. We have it. We can see. 
they have guns. Bro, in hindsight, you should have just said, ask for forgiveness at the back end, dude. That's or, what I like, to do. or just be like, oh, fucking, oh, we lost radio contact. Fuck or just kick a play. rock down the hill and let them fucking engage because we could, we, we could hear them talking. I think they could hear us too because at one point we were moving around and shit like antsy as fuck. My team leader on the radio was dead at night. You can hear further at night. So they probably heard us because they would stop and be like, you kind of listen, move, stop, kind of listen. And I was just like, God damn it. God damn it. These guys, the last one walks over this little fucking ridge. And like 10 minutes later, that fucking fact drops a fucking three hellfires on these guys and gets a fucking pins and gives himself a medal and shit. And well, there you go. That's he was waiting for his fucking silver star, or his fucking bronze. Star. I wish I remember the guy's name because I would say it. Um, but yeah, fuck that, that guy, that, Feel free. Fuck that, that guy. Oh man. But I, 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 I don't know how many that, times, time, dude. I don't time. know how many times you hear that as an issue with fucking guys talking about stuff in, in country, especially like later on when everything had to have, a, you know, the rules of engagement were so restrictive with PID and you're like, especially in a situation like that, you're like, we can see it. We're on the ground. We're looking at these guys and you got some dude that's fucking drinking a coffee. Yeah. In fucking Kandahar on the fucking, in a talk fucking man. Fuck you guys. We'll get these guys. We'll just tell those guys to stand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Such bullshit. It was. Um, and it, what really grinds my gears about it is those guys probably were responsible for blowing up my fucking team, you know, a few months ago. And I was just fucking, I, I was like, all right, here's where we fucking, this is where we get back at them. And then, yeah. nope, we just had to sit there. But yeah, I think about that probably every day. Yeah, I I can see why, man. Legitimately. That's but it was a great mission. It worked exactly how it should have. We just didn't get to execute. Uh, the next day, it was successful. The Marines, the Marines, uh, it was really cool the next day when the Marines were sweeping through and we were right in front of them. We could see all the, they got into some pretty close quarters stuff. They fixed bayonets. Uh, one of the, one of the, uh, the uh, butter bars came over the net. There was a platoon leader, one of the platoons, and they were like, fix bayonets. And we fucking, we just got, everybody got hard. <laughs> everybody was just like, Fuck, like dude, I haven't heard that since fucking Fallujah, man. Yeah, they, man, that's there was a couple like open door fucking engagements. They open a door and it's on type thing. Um, but yeah, it was successful. It was it was, uh, and now that wasn't wasn't a good place. I don't. There wasn't another thing that there wasn't there wasn't really PID at the time. And now that other than if they if they were out past night, if they if they were a military age male, they're bad. There was no good people there anymore. There was nobody like really trying to live there. It was an abandoned village of what used to be like 30,000 people, but now it was just a fucking head full of shit, shit bags, you know, planting water bottle IEDs for us to step on. God damn, dude. Which is so super smart. Yeah. So you go through all this in Afghanistan, get back to the States. Like how much, how much, uh, I'm assuming you're probably picking up corporal sometimes. Yeah, I picked up corporal. So how much longer did you stay on active duty? Like what did you, you do? You got back in... Uh, May 2010, and I got out June, July, August, three months later. Wow, that's a quick fucking turnaround. God, I hear this. I mean, it happened to me. It happens to everyone, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I feel that completely. But you were ready. Fuck yeah, dude. You were still up for sure. Yeah. Well, I already had contracting on the brain. I already knew guys that were, were making, you know, a thousand bucks a day living by the, living in their own room with a shower. <laughs> you know, so I had that on my brain, and I was just ready to do that. 
and make money and not. Uh, so do you, how much do you want to talk about that stuff? I, we could talk about it. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so in, in Jason, did you guys, did you guys know each other in that space? So, so I went to Wix first. He, he I, did, I, he did exactly what I did. He didn't go GRS first. I, I went State Department, I did whips, and then I went to GRS after that. So, yeah. So I didn't know him. I knew, I fucking knew him. I went to sniper school, but we weren't there. Where did you go with, with, we'll just let you fucking speak, dude. So, yeah, just, you, 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 yeah, yes, yeah, so you get out, you think about contracting, walk us through that. I uh, got out. Um, that was my plan uh, before getting out, was to start contracting. I got out in the process of getting a whips, you know, it was like a six to eight month pro long process. So long I had, process, I had yeah. that time off, that time off was pretty wild. I mean, I wasn't even in reality, man. I was fucking just came from fighting two wars and fucking I had, you know, I was 24 and life was, uh, life was different. It was, it was just balls to the wall, man. I just partied and lived life, lived life. Yeah. yeah. Tried to catch up, you know? But all I wanted to do was go contract, kind of go back over, missed it, missed the fucking camaraderie, missed the brotherhood type thing. Um, and that's what allowed, I think if I didn't have that, the transition to getting out, I, I don't know if I would have gone down the same road and had the success I have in life. If I, if I would have gotten out and just fallen into a rut of, oh fuck, and just missing it and not having that, like contracting gave me like a kind of an ease into transition, right. You know, it kind of eased me into the, the world of not being, uh, you know, a fucking gunfighter. Elite. Yeah, let's linger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so who, what was the first company that you worked for? I got hired by Triple Canopy in 2011 and worked Baghdad the entire time. How was, how was that? Uh, it was great. It was fucking way different. I fucking loved it. The only thing I didn't like is working for the State Department cucks that fucking would Dude. fire you if you fucking scratched your eyeball or something. But yeah, I got fired from whips. I lost loss of clearance. So did I. <laughs> lost loss of confidence. Excuse me. So did I. But they were firing guys for just the dumbest shit. They they were just looking to cut guys because it. They didn't, they didn't I, like. They didn't like fucking uh, Jason banging fucking their girlfriends. So. Yeah. I wasn't doing that at that point, man. <laughs> no, I will say the Baghdad, the green zone in Baghdad is fucking paradise, man. It's it's like a college campus. Except you guys weren't allowed into Baghdadis like I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. We'll, uh, get, we'll, we'll get to that part real quick. But so did we work? So, okay, you did whips. You were with Triple from 11 until what? A uh, year and a half. So you there until 12 and a half, 13? Yeah, yeah. I was there when the arm, the last units of the army left Baghdad. Okay, I was, wow. was uh, I was there when the last guys left. I didn't get to Baghdad, there, same fucking place with GRS until 2013. So you and I might have been there at the same fucking time. Possibly. Did you meet my my homie, my bro Trombley? Yes, I think so. Trombley was a triple canopy dude. I think so. And he'd been there for for a minute. Uh, but he, he was a whip. You know guy. how it is with guys' names, man. They got to uh, see him. Yeah, there were some triple dudes over there, like Sparkles, and uh, that sounds really familiar. Sparkles, Ryan Rayburn. Was he kind of jacked and tan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did he wear fucking? Did he wear holy jeans and shit? I mean, 
I don't, I don't know. Probably. Like designer type jeans and shit to the channel? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Was he a SEAL? <laughs> was he a SEAL? No, no, he was an 11 Bravo Infantry dude, but he's a really oh, good yeah. friend of mine. Okay. He was there for a hot minute. Johnny, I, think Johnny, I know who that is. Johnny Ringo Riggs. I know a bunch of those fucking Triple Canopy dudes, man. Yeah. Yeah, Triple Canopy was great. Other than working for the State Department at the time, Hillary was the fucking State Department head. So that was a fucking joke. She's um, classy. She came, she came to the green zone and, and we were her security, the dude, the convoy, she came to the green zone to preach that we didn't need security over there. Right. But her security team stretched from the green zone to biop the convoy. It was that long. It was the entire length of I route Irish. So, so biop our listeners out there is Baghdad international airport. Lovely, lovely place. If I recall to do East or do South. I think it's due, or no, it's due west of Baghdad. Is it due west? It's due west of Baghdad. I'm fucking retarded. So what, was, due, so what was the distance of her fucking convoy? Probably that shit's like is like that eight clicks. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say seven or eight miles of. And at that time, well, before that time, thankfully, route the, the that road, this highway, this four lane, basically was was nicknamed Route Irish. In Route Irish or Mobile. Rod Irish was mobile Fallujah was the most ID tick laden fucking it, it was the it was motherfucking Wild West, dude. You ran that biop run, that airport run your as fast as you can, dude. You you it's dude, it, it's fucking scary. And I'm glad I missed most of that. So I did too. Uh there's a couple army units that got hit by some of those EMP or uh EFP. What was it? The EFP? Yeah, a couple of armies got hit by those. Um, I feel like because we were driving the same paths they were, and I just feel like they were hitting army guys because they knew they were Americans. Like the suburbans could have been Iraqis. Like there was Iraqis that drove the same subs we had. So it was like kind of hit or miss if they killed an American. So they were targeting Humvees when we were there, right? Literally, literally probably 500 yards outside the biop gate getting hit with fucking those copper cannonball liquefying IEDs. Fucking Jesus right Christ. There. Those things are terror. But by, or back the green zone was was great. Best and worst of times, man. Ramadan was a crazy experience. I went through a few of those over there. Had to sleep in your fucking K-pot. <laughs> Had to sleep in your goddamn Kevlar because you're living in a tin can. And they're just, I mean, you're just looking at thousands of tracers go up into the sky, you know? And you're just like, these are going to fall down. And Yeah. Yeah. Back that was great. But uh, it also, Whips was also, you know, a place where you, you would see unqualified guys. That kind of snuck through the cracks. Yep. You have to go on missions with, and you didn't trust to fucking walk yep. into McDonald's with you. So it wasn't, it wasn't the military, man. No. No. How, how is it that these guys, because I know that the, there's a pretty long process, especially for the shooting course and all that stuff. There's a pretty long process to get through all that. So how did the, how are these guys getting into, you know, the, the vetting process and then actually getting deployed? Friends of friends. I of mean, friends. you have to think of it as, I mean, we're dealing with the government here, so it's not hard to to, to slip through the cracks. Um, yeah. Not every guy that probably slipped the crack or could have did, but there was ones that did. Like yeah. guys that just happened to get through, or they needed a body. And but yeah, there was guys that shouldn't have been there that had no experience, and it wasn't nice working with those guys because it was just a risk. To answer your question, brother Patrick. DOD and fucking 
this State Department, this contracting arm of the government is 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 night and day difference. It's not as kinetic. It is more about yeah. fucking money and contracts mm-hmm. and oh, money. And every fucking warm bodied dude filling those boots, you know, they're getting paid fucking six to a thousand dollars a day, but they're charging fucking triple that. Oh yeah. Three thousand a day for a body. Yeah, three thousand dollars a day, if not more. So it's a they don't give a fuck at the end of the day. They're gonna put a dude in those fucking boots. So at the time pay was decreasing, so they were losing quality guys. So they are accepting lower quality guys. So, and no offense to LEOs out there, but like you'd get a lot of cops. You'd get you'd get yeah, you'd get cops. like female MPs. And no offense to the female types, and no offense to the military police, but you'd get people that have never seen combat. You know that were were fobbits if they ever went overseas, and now they're thrust into this possibly is like, getting possibly getting in a gunfight, and then you don't know how they're going to react. They could yeah. fucking they could curl up, which which happened. Which happens quite a bit. Yeah. So I got there in 2013. You're basically leaving. That's why I kind of quit working whips. I And I had, I forgot who it was. I knew somebody that went to GRS throughout the OGA contract. And from that point, I was like, that's what I need to get into. Because this is where you're not going to have guys slip through the cracks type of thing. So, and how, how'd you, how'd you make that transition from, from the triple canopy to GRS? I basically had to resign from Triple Canopy. And you know why I had to, they they made me resign because I had my resume on LinkedIn and it said I was a whips, it had whips qualified. And that's what, that's what their, their, uh, that's what drove them to, you know, make me resign is because I had a resume on LinkedIn that said I was whips qualified. I've seen tons of people with that. There was guys that had it on. There was like higher ups that had it in their, in their LinkedIn, but they were fine. But I was just, like he said, I was just boots. And and well, and then plus if you make it sort of known that you're on your way out, they're just going to be like, fuck this guy. Yeah. That's another thing. Um, But yeah, I heard about the OGA contracts and that's when I was like, that's what I need to fucking do. Um, So I came home and just intensely pursued that, that process. And I don't remember who it was that was doing it at the time that gave me like sock special programs contact, but I emailed them. Desiree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, and started that process and it was fucking com- compared to whips. That yeah, was yeah. night and day. It was the training was fucking legit. It was hard. I was hard worried it was going to fail. I wasn't a very good pistol shooter coming from the Marine Corps. Most Marines don't, train pistol very much especially and, especially outside of the raider force in, in recon yeah i i yeah. rarely shot a pistol leading up to this um which is kind of a good thing because i didn't really have any bad habits yeah and i understood what marksmanship and you know the fundamentals of marksmanship were but we went from shooting a beretta maybe twice or three times in four years to shooting a glock every single day and having to be quick and you know 25 yard two second shots Pretty, pretty difficult shots. Definitely failed the shooting a few times, luckily past the ones that mattered. Um, but it was night and day, the training, the funding, the, the, the quality of guys. Dude, uh, it was, it was, it was the NFL. It was, it, it was, was my dream job. Like that, I was like, I get to go to fucking world war torn parts of the world with fucking legit guys and learn from them, experience, you know, life with them. I learned a lot, a lot of guys I look up to in the contracting world is like my fucking uncle or dad, you know, like yeah, a cool. lot of guys 
led me to my the, the success that I have today. Just good, solid dudes that you could just bullshit with, like we're doing now. Like it's it was yeah. it was great. It was fucking great. So we'll inject a picture here. So I'm I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm doing GRS. We both, it sounds like, kind of come into the fold of GRS actually at the same time. Very similar within a probably a year apart. And we fly into this undisclosed location in, in northern Iraq. And him and I end up being in the same fucking uh, safety brief together. <laughs> and we look over. We hadn't seen each other in years. And, uh, you know, we fucking bro out. And we got to ride a bus to this other spot to fly out to our said locations and split apart but he, he snapped a picture that i'd forgotten he took a selfie him and i on one of these connecting buses he sent me yesterday so what yeah, so if you guys are if you guys are listening to the podcast if you guys go to savage actual on youtube we'll have this the visual side of this on youtube and you guys will be able to see those pictures oh yeah so, that's cool Fuck yeah. yeah that was i mean can you do you remember your mindset then lily i happy I mean, yeah. I, 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 I was not a, not a, not a care in the world, right? Not a care. And I, I made it. I mean, this, this was almost above being a recon Marine. Cause this was, it's like in that special. I agree. Op- I agree. 100%. It, it's like in the special operations realm, you climb these fucking rungs, these ladders. It's like, Oh, I'm going to be Marine. Oh, cool. Oh, I'm going to be an infantryman. Oh, cool. Did you hear about recon? Cool. I'm going to be that. And then within recon, it's like <laughs> sniper, mountain, urban, fucking dive school, halo. So you're climbing these rungs to get these like badges, but it's they're, challenge, <laughs> they're challenges really. And it's not really to wear shit on your uniform. It's just within the alpha wolf pack. It's like you're climbing to make that knife edge sharper and to add more shit to your resume. And then within the contracting realm, it's the same way. It's like static fucking static posts within the state department's like bare, bare bones. And I did that. I did that with ages. I got tricked. I almost did that. I got, I didn't have to tricked into doing, uh, even though I was trained and qualified to do whips, mobile state department. They like, Hey, you're not doing mobile. You're doing static at the the embassy in Kabul. I'm like, fuck you guys. (laughs) There was actually some shit went down at Kabul one that, well, I don't know if you were there. No, that wasn't like 2015, but yeah. There was some uh, shit, dude. Yeah, man. So I got fired, which drove me <laughs> to fucking DRS, which I wanted to do anyway. So fast forward, we're in northern Iraq. We're together. I go my way to some other other spots. How was your GRS experience, man? I wish I was still doing it, honestly. Like if I if – I, uh, well, I shouldn't say I wish I was still doing it, but I probably – I wish I could still do it and still do what I do. <laughs> I wish I could still uh, just like when I want to go over, just go over, you know. <laughs> you know. But, so what? What? What created that separation for you to 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 step away from that or not do that anymore? My body and uh, my wife, probably. Yeah. It, yeah, it, man. It, it it gave me uh, another reason, I guess. You know. Yeah, man. When another you have reason. a family, that's yeah. uh, that's probably the best reason. But yeah, I herniated two discs in my back in. Oof. Uh, fuck. Yeah, what year was it? I mean, was there any, I was actually in our build. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, it sounds like from the Marine Corps, man, is just building. Cause I mean, I, we all know tons of dudes that have knees and back that are fucking. Oh well, yeah. Really and nice I probably, they're honestly probably already herniated and I just pushed this to the last. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. If you're the pain that you were talking about when you first got to Afghanistan and that. Yeah. And that was four years before this. 
you know, or yeah. five years before this. That so. sounds like you were well into that fucking road. Yeah. So, what year was this, man? That you so, it? When I started, first couple of rotations with that uh, sock special programs was pretty fucking boring, but it was great. The pay was great. We had, I had my own room, my own shower, 24-7 chow, 24-7 gym. Not just chow, you'd like chefs. Yeah, I could go out get a fucking cooked brick oven pizza if I wanted at fucking midnight. Um, <laughs> so basically fucking... just like the Marine Corps is what you're saying. Dude, <laughs> I know I know it was the same way at that place, dude. Like we had our own like four thousand dollar fucking espresso coffee making machine. Yeah, dude. I was making fucking steam, steam espressos every fucking three times dude. a day, bro. That sounds like a fucking dream right there. It was oh, local it honey. Was. We had we had a setup, man. That was my favorite part of the day was going and making my own fucking latte, bro. <laughs> dude, coming from the Marine Corps and the Army guys definitely were like I mean it was I'm I'm better friends with some of those guys, the GRS dudes, than I, I am with some of the dudes in the Marine Corps. And that's no offense to the Marine Corps dudes, but it's like the stress was higher, but it was a lot less in its own ways. And we were making extremely fucking good money. Well, you know, and it's like that stuff is – you're much more appreciative when somebody kind of appreciates you and they're taking care of you. You yes. know, they're not treating you like, yeah. oh, I got dog shit on my shoe. Uh, yeah. let, me, let me scrape exactly, that dog man. shit off and then go send them to do something. It's like you, you've – like you said earlier, Jason, like you're in the NFL. You're like – Yeah, I'm, you're I'm an actual talking. person now. You're not just boots, you know. Yeah. They yeah, treat yeah. you like a human, you know. Yep. Yep, for sure. That's a that's a huge step to feel like that, you know. Yeah. So, so you you go through fucking GRS, you know. Obviously, we I'm sure anybody listening to this can understand like family injuries. It's like everybody's that's done this. Everybody that's you know spent any excessive time in the military, I would say, fucking your body starts to wear on you, and yeah, you become a liability, and you start realizing that in your own rent in your own head. You're like, man. If yeah. I move wrong, I go down and I'm a casualty. Yeah. And that I'm sucks. That sucks. So did this, you... was, uh, this was right. This is like a year into, or like half a year into ISIS, you know? So shit started picking up again. Yeah. Um, yeah and that's are... a hard one to step away from. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. specifically, I won't get into the details of my experience. Uh, I've done other interviews about my time at that exact time. But that specific time, the incident, it, the Azidis went up the Azidi Hill, and that's when ISIS pushed the Christians yep. outside of Erbil. Yep. And that's when ISIS was going to take Erbil. And that's when we, do you remember when we prepped EVAC? Yep. We were about to drive to fucking, yeah, we were about to drive Turkey. to a different country. Yeah. Turkey. Yep. So I, I was in Suli. I was in a different Oh, you had a way longer drive. Our drive was pretty. <laughs> it was the first time in my military experience that we came very, very, very close to execute a a mass evacuation plan. Damn. Yeah. Vehicles and then on foot plans plugged into the GPS to get into Turkey to get the yep. fuck out. And we, we weren't even guaranteed to get into Turkey when we got there either. We might have not like, been able to get in. Yeah, there's just like, we'll see if you can get across the border. Yeah, ho- hopefully you get in. Yeah, they, I remember being in the talk and they wheeled in one of those fucking five by five thermites. And they're like, yeah, we might have to use this if we're bouncing. We, I mean, we had everything loaded up for a week. But we were about to, we were about to beat feet, man. And you, you and I were there at the exact same time. It's probably yeah. right when you took that picture. To be honest, might have been that same deployment. I probably was. Yeah, that's when I got stuck there because the Russians were launching cruise missiles over the Erbil airport with no warning. 
They were just flying over. They're just going right. You could watch them go overhead. It was gotcha. wild. It was stay wild. classy, stay classy, Putin. Yeah, it was wild. Wild time. So, so you left GRS, came back to the states, like go right back to back to your home, right? Yeah, I really didn't have any idea what the fuck I was going to do. I was going to say, so at that point, what are you just like? Uh, what do I do now? Yeah, I was I working was, at game working at GameStop or something like that. Yeah, I, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do, man. I honestly don't remember what I did right away. Uh, I don't know if I started working right away. Um, I do know I took like three months off to get my back right, um, and I got a bunch of medical shit done. I had nerve burning done. God damn! But uh, I started working at a local local firearm shop, like fucking two minutes from where I lived. So it was kind of nice, and uh, I hated it. But, but uh, dudes are like, "So who are you, man?" Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The people that come into gun stores, man, after doing what I was doing, it's like, oh god, yeah. Fuck. How the I fuck did you deal with that, dude? Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's rough to deal with, uh, and that's kind of where I learned to deal with people again normally, <laughs> you know, fucking talk to people. But I was I was pretty high strung at that point. I was pretty stressed out, and and that year in my life. 2016, beginning of 2017, I was addicted to fucking Vicodins, painkillers because of my back. I got really yeah. hooked on them. I got for probably about a year, maybe a little over a year. I was, uh, I was taking a lot of painkillers and still, still working out every day, still functioning every day, but just medicating myself to the point where I was like a vegetable, you know? Well, dude, there, there's that NFL reference again, man. I mean, there's so yeah. many dudes who, and, and I've seen personally seen guys that same exact thing, man, just the cumulative injuries from, you know, fucking rucking and parachute jumps and all these injuries and dudes start, start taking. That that was really hard for me to get over that fact, man. It was really hard. That was probably the hardest thing for me to get over is how, how less capable I was or how less capable I felt like my body. Like I, that was the hardest thing for me because I was always fucking a fucking stud in PT. I could do anything. Um, at that point I was fucking couldn't, I felt like I was, I was nothing. I couldn't do anything. What do you think got you through, through all that? (sighs) Well, I had at that point I was pretty, I wasn't married yet, but I was pretty, I knew that the girl I was with, I wanted to marry. I I think I just needed someone to like, need my support or like I needed to work for something, I guess. But there was a specific moment in time where I, where I was, when I was taking, it was the yellow Vicodins, the 10 milligram Vicodins. Um, and I was getting these things from the VA. I could get them privately because the, the uh, contracting thing. So I could, I could get them wherever I wanted. Uh, and there was a point where I looked down and I had six of them in my hand and that was just normal. I was, I could take six of them and just, damn, and just be all right. Well, not probably not be all right. I'd turn into a vegetable, you know, probably not knowing so myself, but I wasn't living with my current wife at the time. My only wife at the time, I should say. Uh, <laughs> I, wasn't, I, I wasn't living with her yet. So I was by myself. It was a pretty dark time. I, I went down some dark holes, was drinking a lot, taking, taking pills. Um, I just realized, like, I looked down and I got like, I looked at these pills and I like, literally had like a moment. I like I felt like I was just going to pass out. Like I was like, I can't take this. Cannot do this. And I just put them down, threw them away, threw all of them away. And just kind of was like, well, I, if I can't really go any lower than this, so I have an opportunity to 
to, uh, you know, start from the floor and just uh, find find something I have passion and drive for and just continue, uh, continue down the road, you know. That's that's awesome, man. It's because a lot yeah. of guys and we we know we all know them fucking who don't don't make it through that. Don't have that epiphany and be able to. Yeah, to there was, I mean, I think all of us have the moments of uh, of those those dark moments where you. I mean, it's it's impossible for us not to think about suicide just because we lose guys to suicide, whether it be your friend or a guy, you know, a guy you knew. You hear about it. I mean, I heard about it like a week ago. I lost another a friend from the Whips days. Uh, but you, you're constantly hearing about it. Uh, so it's always on your mind, right? You're, you're constantly thinking about it. But I think for me, I just, it's the, it's the appreciation of what we have, like life in general. Like uh, you have to really appreciate what we got, uh, the, the, this opportunity, our, uh, you know, being alive and experiencing this, uh, I think you have to really uh, hone in on that and, and realize what we actually are and, you know, how rare our existence is. Yeah, man. And uh, finding that, finding that, like, that, that the reason, you know, like a reason to exist, I think is what kind of got me through it. Um, I got really, really into space. <laughs> really into space after I stopped taking uh, pills. And all I did was watch space documentaries and watch space shows. Dude, and I, I learned about space, like how rare, how rare life is. And like consciousness, <laughs> consciousness is so rare. And like the chances of us even being here are so slim. I absolutely fucking love that about you, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, you're talking to the Neil, Tyson DeGreasy or whatever the fuck his name is. I always say his fucking name wrong. Like, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and some hallucinogenics helped me on that fucking path as well. Learning so, about space really helped me uh, give learning about learning about like what we are and like what it is that's that what the world is and what Earth is, is really what gave me like a reason to to use my life, to use it, not waste it. You know, that's cool, man. That's super interesting. That's definitely a that's one I've never heard before. I'm so, telling you, man. If you're in a dark spot, or if you're if you're questioning what the fuck this is, watch some space dog. I have I have some good recommendations, <laughs> but uh, you can uh, you can lose yourself and uh, and go to a di- you can go to a different place. Uh, and, and if you learn about space, uh, and hey what- everybody, we'll uh, on the, on the YouTube side, we'll put the uh, links to the space documentary. I'll, yeah, I'll give you some. I'll give you some before uh, <laughs> or after we hang up here. I'm talking. I love it, dude. So okay, it. man. So we're this is this has been awesome. We're like well over two hours into this. Let's talk about what you're doing now. Like fucking yeah. dude, you got an awesome business going on. And it's based out of San Antonio, correct? It is, yeah. So let fucking promote your stuff a little bit, man. Tell us like how you built your business and what you're doing now and like Fucking hype it up for everybody. Yeah, yeah so quick down and dirty. I was working at that gun store. Uh, the owner of it was pretty old, older guy, stuck in his ways. <laughs> I gave him all these good, great ideas. Um, he was just a retail gun, like mom and pop gun shop. I started seeing all the custom shit come into play, the Sarah coating stuff, the like, just full, complete, you know, custom builds that no one was really doing. Um, and I started just doing it out of my condo through this gun shop, supporting the customers, kind of making it a little bit on my own. And then, uh, yeah, working out of my condo, uh, stopped at the gun store, 
in 2017, I was pretty broke. I had uh, 2017 and 18, I was pretty fucking broke. But what I was doing, uh, I was buying Bitcoin then. There you go. And we all know what Bitcoin did. And that's what allowed me to kind of pursue a business and start something. Um, it gave me a little bit of extra, it gave me a little jump uh, of income, basically. But I was, I had, I had, uh, when I started Center Mass, when I formed my LLC, the next day I had negative 800 bucks in my bank account. God damn. So I was like, now that wasn't, that was negative 800 in my bank account, but I had invested money into multiple things, but I wasn't touching it. Um, so I was living pretty fucking bare bones. Um, and, but being poor, I almost like being, or not, you know, I like, I like kind of being, uh. I like the hard times more. You learn more about yourself and you just learn more, you know, who you are in hard times is, you know, who you are as a person. Um, yep. If you can, if you can maintain, even though, you know, you, you know that things aren't as, as good as they can be. And if you can maintain your, your level of, you know, you know, uh, you just think personality and, uh, uh, you know, effort, energy, if you can just maintain it uh, through hard times, you can pretty much do anything. So being broke and not having money really humbled me and it kind of, kind of, uh, kind of projected me, kind of made me want it more. You know, I wanted, I wanted to, uh, not have to worry about it, you know, uh, cause in this country, money's, money's really kind of freedom and it's in itself. Um, if you have money, sure. you have freedom to do way more than if you don't. So yeah, led me to open a business in 2018. And then I uh, opened my first doors. I had a partner at the time, but he lived in Houston. So I was literally by myself in my shop for like the first six months. You know, I, I got this shitty, shitty spot. Uh, <laughs> I had to work all summer by myself, like clearing out. Like it was fucking brutal, dude. It sucked, but it didn't suck worse than Mountain Scout Sniper. So I was pretty <laughs> easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it sucked. And then I really quickly, quickly learned that uh, how much I didn't know about business, about firearms, about everything. I was like, what have I fucking done? You know, I'm like, <laughs> is this going to work? Well, I just, you know, took it day by day. I've uh, grown, hired a few guys, have fired a few guys, but in a really good spot now, I've moved to two locations. I'm in a location now. I have, you That's know, awesome. a lot of machinery and stuff that I've added to it. My, the business itself for since we, the day we opened, I haven't had to put any more money into it. It's ran itself since. Um, now there's been there's been I mean small business is small business. There's been times where it's we're cutting it close, you know. But it is what it is. We I've never had to really reinvest uh, money into it, um, and it's pretty much ran itself. Um, and I just really I really didn't have a destination in mind. I just kind of took it day by day, completed completed what I have on on my workload, and moved on, you know. And it just led to more con more meeting more people expanding uh hiring guys and i now i support like you know four four veterans that work for me and uh we're just rocking and rolling man and we just do uh there's really firearms wise there's really nothing we don't do um we do way more than that we uh make custom coins i mean i'm a fabricator i do graphic design there's just really my main the main business income is custom firearms though but we we really do anything so what kind of, when you say custom firearms, what kind of what kind of custom stuff is sort of your bread and butter? 
like full AR builds. Like I'm in the process right now of designing my own stuff. So I don't have to, you know, buy other people's and make them. But yeah, full, like full AR builds, custom bulk guns. And just personalized, you know, like the person can go, I want this. I want, you know, I want it to look like this. I want this on it. And you kind of just give us, you know, creative freedom to do what we do. And it just, it's, uh, it works. And it, in, it, in COVID was kind of tough, but luckily for me, like there's a few gun stores that went out of business here in San Antonio, but I wasn't just a retail gun store. I was more than that. People can bring me their firearms that they already have. I can code them. I can do whatever they want to them. So it's not like I, I have to sell guns to survive, you know? And, and, you, and you, you are an FFL, right? Yeah, I'm an FFL 07 SOT uh, manufacturer. Uh, I have a mill, certified, or certified Cerakote application. I have two lasers, um, great gunsmith. I have some great uh, uh, relationships with some local PD here that I support, um, and I'm just trying to get more, man. Um, so, yeah, and we give 15% off to first responders, vets, uh, LEO, um, any of that. So, uh, yeah, awesome. check us out, centermass.com. We're on Instagram. We're shadow banned. So you have to like type in our full name for us to come up. And what is that? We'll put it up on the screen, but what is that? Center.mass on Instagram. And it, it's just centermass.com. So, and if you guys, if you guys can't tell what he's saying, because it's S I N N E R M A S S.com. So, centermass.com. And I will absolutely on the link for, the youtube part of this and on the uh and on the podcast part of it in the description i'll have your website link in there too so i it may uh, for sure on the youtube part it'll be a link uh i don't know about the uh the podcast part but your name will be in there and i'll i'll 100 add your website and uh perfect yeah, yeah that's awesome so, so what's, on the, what's on the horizon for you man like what's do you got do you have like you said you got two locations is there anything that you're like this is the next thing that I want to accomplish. So I have one location only, but oh, I, okay. I, I've moved twice. I've moved to two. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. So, yeah, I just want to expand. I'm, I'm getting in. I just got my cage and Dunn's number. So I'm a lot, I can bid on contracts now. That is probably where I lack most. I mean, I do a lot at my shop. I do a lot of the custom work, a lot of the design. I do invoicing. I mean, there's really nothing I don't do. So it's kind of hard for me to uh you know, take time. And, uh, if I, if I, if there's a spot where I am lacking, it's in that field of like, uh, government contract assistance. There's some great programs here that I haven't tapped into yet, but it's just hard to get out of the shop, you know, doing, having the role I have. If I'm out of the shop income drops. So I try to spend most of my time in there, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, on the horizon, I have right now, I'm in the process of developing my own rifle chassis. I've been doing a lot of what we call, uh, I'm, I'm calling the 308 Reaper. It's a 12 inch or 12 to 16 inch, you know, a person's choice of barrel length, uh, 308 or chambered in 6.5 Creedmoor. And they're just little short bolt guns that are doing the really popular down here in Texas for pigs, uh, being in a truck. A lot of ranchers, you know, shoot right out of their truck. So it's a really small, <laughs> compact, accurate bolt gun. Um, a lot of people shoot out of blinds and you don't want a fucking 26 inch barrel banging around when you're in a blind. So they're just really popular. A lot of guys like them down here. Um, so I figured I'd start building my own chassis systems for them instead of buying, um, buying the ones that I've been buying to, to do them. Cause we do the rest of the work 
we just need the components we buy and then we do all the machining, all the barrel fluting, all the chambering, test firing, the actual build process we all do. Nice. So if I can have my own chassis, I won't have to rely on anybody really other than myself. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Well, dude, yeah. that's amazing, man. We're, we're fucking both super stoked for you, super proud of you, man. Especially, you know, me personally knowing you for a long time now and all the trials and tribulations that you've been through, man. It's good to see you on the back end doing doing so well and still driving forward. And Same, and you, bro. Same, man. And you, uh, I could kiss you on the cheek if you were in front of me, but <laughs> you weren't in front of me. Hey, I'm all about the lips, man. But uh, right. I mean, I'll do lips with you. I know you've known you for over 10 years. So. Yeah, we're brothers. It's, just, it's a family thing, man. So, uh we, I meant to do this earlier, but hey, no, 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 no worries to doing it later. So, uh, moving forward, I, Patrick and I talked about this. Like, I, I, we've been very serious. We had some jokes during this, but like, a lot of people don't know how fucking hilarious your time is in the Marine Corps. So, I feel like Marines, like coming out of Kansas, like you're an amateur meteorologist. As a Marine, you're coming out of the fucking Marine Corps as an amateur comedian. Like, you, the, it's some of the worst yeah. times you've ever fucking seen. But you come out of it like you got to have some thick skin and you come out fucking talking mad shit and being a bloody rabbit in the sense of like that Marine just takes shit from everyone. You you learn to fucking take some shit and to give some shit. So what I'm putting you on the blast on spot right now, man, like what in recollection, what are some funny fucking moments that like what's the funniest shit you can remember from boot camp? <laughs> to happen to you personally that you witnessed like what are some hilarious just crazy a crazy story too that is funny like what do you got man What's yeah up? that'll be a good way to finish it up Luckily, yeah. let's talk. i'm gonna need a second we're gonna have to and, the, and 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 you like this is no bullshit either too we don't i mean short of like some really weird shit i'm not gonna edit anything so fucking feel free to Name names. I gotta do that. Nothing's. I gotta think about this, man. I know. Uh, even even embarrassing for you. Like like like. What is the worst embarrassing moment? I've got a bunch, dude. So. Yeah, self deprecation is always the best. So, uh, yeah, dude, I've got some that are just fucking bad. Oh, man, from dudes like banging their buddy's girl to fucking dude. <laughs> that was mad. Dude, dudes getting fucked up, drunk, and just some silliness like like information or just some embarrassing story. Uh, of some dude that you served with, like holy fuck, dude, you got caught. <laughs> we uh, oh, man, there was just so there used to be uh. Our whole battalion got punished because we had a battalion fucking barracks war going on, basically. In 29 Palms, the barracks are pretty close together. And our unit was in two barracks buildings across from each other. It's like two companies, two companies. And for, for our listeners out there, barracks are apartment buildings. They're just it's fucking a apartment fucking, buildings. It's a, it's a, it's fucking, a, prison, a prison apartment building. It's, it's, it's a, a zoo. It's a fucking, it's the, it's the combination of the weirdest fucking dudes you've ever met in your life yeah. all yeah. within fucking 100 yards of each other and not to mention we're all fucking 28 22 and below basically yeah. with, with connected bathrooms it's like a fucking connected bathroom in a room with a fucking what civilians call the jack and jill bathroom so that shit makes things even fucking crazier you're basically two dudes in a bedroom size space with a fucking shared bathroom with two other dudes. Like, it's pretty it's wild to look back and think like how we were trusted in there. I mean, I guess we weren't really trusted because everybody was always getting fucking in trouble. Yeah. You no know, barracks raids. There was a time when uh, we had a, 
forgot what happened, but something with drugs and this kid, they were, you know, where they come in and clear your rooms out, basically search your room. I forgot what they called it. Like a fucking yeah, they health do and comfort, health health and comfort. comfort check. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where they just like, all right, everybody the fuck out of your rooms. You don't have time to hide anything or anything. Well, this one dude, uh, they go into his room and they, they're looking through his shit and he's downstairs with everybody panicking. Like, I don't really know. There's some, just some grunt, some 0311 kind of, kind of known to be a shit bag. Um, and they're going through his shit and you hear someone yell like, what the fuck? And they come out and they're holding this fucking flaccid rubber fucking dick, like a this fucking big flaccid rubber dick. They're like, what the fuck is this Smith or whatever? And he's like, Sir, that's just a sex toy, blah, blah, Bro, he got, he didn't get caught. It was a fake dick so he could do a piss test and look oh, at a real one dick. One of those ones with like. But he, the tube was de- detached from it. It was just the flaccid dick part of it. And he was coming out. It was like a gunny waving on his fucking flaccid dick around in front of everybody. And most of the Marines knew what it was. Oh, and they were just like, why do you have this fucking dildo? Like, they just thought it was some, like, dumb gay shit that we, the Marines were doing with a dildo. But it was a fake dick to pee through. Yeah, so he was, yeah. We did not pop on his piss test, so he never got caught with the fake dick, and he used it after that as well. He used it to do p- piss tests. Dude, he got so he lucky. Got oh shit! I've heard of those things. I've literally never seen that. So they fucking work, I guess. But yeah, wow. it's like it's like the Euronator or the Pissinator or something. It's got some weird name, dude. There's yeah, few, there's color options, size options. Yeah. <laughs> Mine would be like a Tic Tac, brother, yeah. for sure. <laughs> But yeah, that was a pre- I, there's a lot of moments, man, that I probably could think of if I had a second. But I mean, in combat, too, there was moments where it was just like, man, there was times. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's uh, there's a lot of funny moments. Uh, there was moments where uh, I mean, I don't know if you'll have goat fucking stories. How many? Uh, uh, I, do, I do. Yeah, I have multiple. Multi- so like people that think that's not real. Like I've had conversations with people that are blown away. Oh, dude, you they have no fucking idea this happens. This ISR would always catch these dudes. Like, I, I, I'd never seen anybody. You always have like the fucking, like, after the fact, like, oh, dude, ISR is like, send us videos. They'd send us video clips of like hits and stuff. And you're like, you're like, oh, this dude's fucking a cow before he showed up. Yeah. Yeah, we were pretty much goat. We were trying to save the goats out there as well as save the, the people. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was multiple times. There was this one op we were on, and we were watching this dude, and we were like a thousand yards from him, and it was like probably it was dark. We were watching him through thermal, and he walks up to his herd of goats, and he probably goes through five goats, bro, just fucking one goat after the next. And we were all blown away, like, can we like shoot? Can we just like shoot one of the goats or like just break this it? Actually, yeah. This is so fucked up. Everybody was away. Dude, wake the fuck up. Look at this. Look at this. Like type thing. Like, I mean, it's just, uh, it's real and goats need saving too. Just as much as the people over there. So dude, that's a t-shirt. We're going to be like yeah. Luke Hamilton. Goats need saving. Too. I do have a t-shirt that says hashtag save the goats. So <laughs> do you really? Yeah. Is that your like your uh, store's fucking merch thing? <laughs> no, I, I actually I should do a shirt that says "Save the Goats." I forgot who made it. It's some, it was some company, but it's a shirt. It's all black, and it just says hashtag Save the Goats. Every time I wear that, people are like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Some people I will tell depending on who's asking, but some people I just were like, "Yeah, oh, you're, like, you're like, you're like, if you're listening, like, you know, the war is over. Like, fucking let the Taliban fucking do what they want." But uh, 
We need to go back strictly to save the fucking goats. Peter, I agree. Peter, put, Peter needs to put together a special operations unit just to jump in yes. and save the goats. <laughs> yes, a bunch of. There just needs to be some uh, regulation around this. There needs to be a limit on this shit, man. Because I've seen. I mean, it's just too much. It's just too much. All right. Well, I think that was definitely a high point. Hashtag save the goats. Hashtag save uh, the goats, baby. Dude, it, it was awesome. Baby. It was awesome to talking to you, Luke. Holy shit. Some fucking good stuff. And man, uh, amazing career. And I'm sure, I mean, shit, dude, getting into what you're getting into, you know, starting down that career is you're going to be super successful having the experience and the knowledge that you have, you know, man, I fucking, and Jason, and I are going to be there to help you out as much as we can. And Back at you guys anytime. Yeah. Um, and I just want, I just want people, I mean, especially younger guys, you're capable of doing anything, really. It's just it's just a matter of committing, you know. Uh, yep. it, uh, don't really uh, don't really think too much about the future, and don't be in a rush. Just enjoy the ride and uh, commit to something that you uh, have a passion for. Um, and you can accomplish anything if you just take it a day at a time and make yourself better and accomplish, you know, one thing, whether it be small or large, um, every day. And uh, you can you can build uh, whatever you want, man. Everybody started somewhere, um, and a lot of guys have started in worse spots than you think you're in. And it's it's just a matter of you 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 uh, defeating your own mind and uh, winning that battle. And it's a daily thing. I I battle myself every single fucking day, uh, but you have to win those battles uh, with yourself uh, and uh, just continue to uh, to uh, uplift onward and upward. You know. But yeah, yeah. excellent advice, man. You got anything, Jason? No, man. Love you, brother. Appreciate the word. Yeah, love you all, man. Love you, Jason. Uh, I really do miss you. I need to see you soon, bro. Uh, either either y'all come here or I'll come to Florida, whatever. Uh, oh, let's definitely uh, let's connect soon, man. Savage and Center Mass are definitely connected now. So yep. kiss on we'll the lip. Kiss on the lips soon. Kiss on the lips soon, baby. This has been Savage Actual. Jason and Patrick are two former special operations guys who interview interesting guests who talk about video games, airsoft, and military subjects. Basically, they drink a lot of beer, talk about shooter games, and have fun. What's not to love? We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And the fellas will be back soon. But in the meantime... Find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Savage Actual. Y'all be cool, and we'll see you next time.